0: Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, October 7th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. COVID-19 press briefings are moving to once a week for the time being, so thank you for continuing to listen, and to keep up with our department, we invite you to follow us across all social media at LA Public Health. And now, here's Supervisor Barger.
1: Hello and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for today's press briefing. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our our Director of Public Health, is here to provide the update on COVID-19 case counts and recent trends in Los Angeles County. We are moving forward with easing health officer orders and are continuing our efforts to be safer at work, safer at play and safer in our communities. Last week, the Board of Supervisors approved a motion I authored alongside Supervisor Janice Hahn that will enable elementary schools to apply for a waiver to reopen for transitional kindergarten through second grade. Prioritizing schools with a high number of low income students, school closures severely impact families and the students. In addition to diminished access to quality education, we have seen a decline in the social and emotional well-being of our children and youth. It is crucial that we begin the process of reopening schools at limited capacity and provide ample time for schools to slowly bring students, teachers, and staff back onto campus. Given the size and scope of Los Angeles County, our residents have done an admirable job containing the spread of COVID-19 in our communities the state guidelines reflect this and are structured to allow us to reopen while limiting community transmission through safety protocols through the new waiver process the county will monitor reopen schools and improve the quality and the quantity of data recorded regarding school exposures in order to inform the process moving forward i am grateful for our partners school administrators teachers and parents who are working together to help return to the classroom, which is a crucial step toward normal, and normal state and recovery. In another effort to serve the youth, outdoor, outdoor playgrounds may reopen at the discretion of cities or the county Department of Parks and Rec, depending upon who operates the park. Parents are encouraged to monitor their children to ensure they maintain a safe distance from other kids and take appropriate precautions. To allow more employees to return to work beginning today indoor shopping malls can reopen at 25 percent capacity and food courts will be open for takeout orders only contactless payment systems are encouraged earlier this week card rooms were cleared to to reopen for outdoor gaming operations the number of players at gaming tables is reduced to keep guests physically distanced. cards are being changed upon each dealer rotation and face coverings are required by customers and employees for the entire time that they are sitting at the table. Last week, nail salons were opened for indoor services also at 25% capacity. Employees and customers are being screened for symptoms and distancing measures are in place. Salons are still required to continue outdoor services because the air circulation is better and there is a lower risk of disease transmission. As we continue to face this pandemic, we all have a part to play to keep our community safe and continue to slow the spread. We all know the best way to protect ourselves and those around us is to limit interactions with other people as much as possible and take precautions to prevent getting COVID when you are interacting with others. This is especially important for people who are at the increased risk of severe illness as a result of COVID-19. We encourage our community members to continually use the tools we know are effective. Wear a face covering, wash your hands, keep six feet apart and stay home. If you are feeling ill, I applaud the continued effort and partnership and response of our businesses, organizations, schools, and most importantly, our residents in Los Angeles County. The County is here to support our communities, offer needed resources, answer questions, and provide timely information. Please visit our website at covid19.lacounty.gov for the latest updates. County residents can also call 211 at any time to get information on testing, healthcare, social services, and other resources that may be available. For statewide information, the California Department of Public Health website is cdph.ca.gov. With that, I would like to invite Dr. Barbara Ferrer up to give her update. Thank you.
2: Uh, Thank you so much, Supervisor Barger and to the entire Board of Supervisors for their just amazing and dedicated leadership throughout this entire pandemic. Uh, And good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, Today, I want to use a little bit of time to update you on L.A. County's status in the state's current tier system. Uh, including uh, an explanation of where we stand with the new health equity metric. I'll also present our updated recovery and equity indicators for our county. And then I wanna highlight for a brief moment important work that's taking place at the Martin Luther King Jr. Center for Public Health. Uh, Yesterday, as many of you know, the state incorporated an additional metric in their blueprint for a safer economy. Because most counties, including LA County, have significant differences in COVID 19 outcomes by race, ethnicity, and socioeconomic status, it's important to not only look at COVID 19 indicators across an entire county, but also to understand the experiences among different racial and ethnic groups and people who live in areas with unequal access to resources. For this reason, the state created a metric to assess each county's progress in closing the gaps between people living in communities with few resources that promote optimal health and those that live in communities with significant resources. In LA County, we have for many months now focused on understanding and eliminating the profound gaps we see in our own COVID-19 outcomes. And we do routinely report on cases, hospitalizations, and deaths by race and ethnicity, as well as by area poverty, in order to understand not only what gaps exist, but what is our progress in closing those gaps. And I will present updated data today on these indicators in a few minutes. And I'll take the first slide. And I wanna thank the state uh, for actually adding an equity measure uh, to the metrics that they Uh, collect and require each county to meet in order to advance on the recovery journey. Uh, The state's using the California Healthy Places Index, which measures an area's socioeconomic opportunity to define census tracts across a county that lack resources to promote health and well-being. The metric calculates the test positivity rate for those areas in counties that are less advantaged and then compares this rate to the overall county test positivity rate. And uh, knowing for, in fact, that uh, we're going to need resources uh, to meet the thresholds that are established uh, on this slide. So you can look on this slide and you can see uh, exactly where you need to meet a threshold now for the equity measure. Uh, In order to move from Tier 1 to Tier 2, Uh, The equity measure is exactly the same as the test positivity measure. But for us to move to a less restrictive tier, uh, we need to meet both test positivity rates and the case rate. Uh, And for us, the test positivity rates would need to be at or below 8%, and our case rate would need to be at or below 7 new cases per 100,000 people. That's an average of about 700 new cases a day. The next slide. And currently, as you can see, uh, L.A. County uh, continues to be in Tier 1, the most restrictive tier, and this is only because our adjusted case rate, which is currently 7.4 new cases per 100,000 people, uh, does not allow us to move to a less restrictive tier. As you can see here, both our test positivity rates meet the threshold for being in Tier 3. The overall test positivity for the county was 2.8 percent, and the test positivity rate in our lowest resourced areas is 4.6 percent. And while we still have a significant gap between the positivity rate in our higher resource communities as compared to our less advantaged communities, this difference is not standing in the way of the county advancing to a less restrictive tier. When compared to most other Southern California counties, LA County has one of the lowest equity measures. What is standing in our way to advancing to a higher tier, the red tier, is that we continue to see more than the average of 700 to 800 uh, new cases a day. And now let's turn to our recovery dashboard. And these are the indicators that we monitor to understand how well we are controlling the spread of COVID-19 in LA County and I'll take the next slide. Uh, this table shows our daily number of new cases as reported since April and it gives you an indication of when over the past six months we've seen the highest numbers of new positive cases by day. Our cases are now back down to levels that we were seeing in late April and early May before we began a lot of our reopening at fewer than 1,000 cases on average per day. We need to continue to try to reduce our case numbers, and we do this by protecting workers, wearing our cloth face coverings, maintaining a six-foot distance, and washing our hands. This would be the way we have in front of us now to reduce transmission rates, even while we reopen additional sectors. The next slide. Our percent positivity is a great way for us to understand the extent of community spread, and it is a helpful early indicator when spread begins to increase. It's a function of how much virus we have circulating in our community, and obviously also reflects uh, having a lot of people uh, taking advantage of being able to get tested. This graph has us holding at about 3% positivity since the second week of September. Again, this indicator has plateaued uh, at about 3% uh, for, the, for the past several weeks, but we do also need to start seeing this number decrease as well. Next slide. Uh, this graph shows us the trend for the daily number of patients who are hospitalized with COVID-19 at all of the hospitals across the county. And this indicator is a marker for hospital capacity and allows us to understand the severity of disease that's experienced by our residents. You can see that we've leveled off in the last couple of weeks at fewer than 800 daily hospitalizations for COVID-19, down from the peak of over 2,000 patients a day in July. It's good news, and we believe it reflects both improved therapy and care for patients with COVID-19 that may lead to shorter lengths of stay as well as the fact that we know we have a much younger population of residents uh, who are infected now, and they may be less likely as a group uh, overall to require hospitalization. We'll see the next slide. Finally, uh, we turn to COVID-19 deaths. Despite our best efforts and despite the best efforts of medical providers across the county, many people continue to lose their lives to COVID-19. Here, And everywhere in the country and the world these deaths are tragic and we must continue to remind ourselves that we all play a role in slowing the spread of this deadly disease and saving people's lives the trend line shows the daily deaths from covid 19 since the beginning of july and it demonstrates this long steady decline from about 30 deaths a day at the end of august to where we are now which is averaging about 15 deaths a day or half of what the rate was uh, at the beginning of the month. We would expect to see deaths fall as hospitalizations fall, but nonetheless, this is welcomed and encouraging news, and it represents a lot of work on behalf of everyone in our communities. We do continue to keep all those who have died from COVID-19 in our hearts and to mourn alongside friends, neighbors, and family members who have lost loved ones during the pandemic. We'll take the next slide at the same time that we're monitoring population wide data to understand how COVID-19 affects the entire county. We also drill down in our data to see how it's affecting specific populations. It has been well publicized that black and Latinx residents and those who are living in high poverty areas across the United States and here in LA County have been disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. And this is across all of our indicators, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. For this reason, we disaggregate our data so that we can share our progress as a county on combating these inequities and ensuring that our recovery journey benefits everyone who lives here in LA. This slide shows us the daily daily rates of cases per 100,000 people by race and ethnicity since the beginning of July through September 26th. You can see that Latinx residents still have a higher daily case rate than all other races in the county. It's the yellow line at top. And even though we've made progress since July and August in reducing case rates amongst all racial and ethnic groups, Latinx residents continue to have a case rate that's higher than that for Asian residents. That's the line blue at the bottom. They have the lowest case rate two times the rate of white residents, that's the rate that's shown in orange. However, there is progress in narrowing the gap from July when residents, Latino residents were four times more likely than white residents uh, and five times more likely than Asian residents uh, to have higher rates among cases. Uh, we also look at, and, and, and at hospitalizations, which is on the next slide, to understand the severity of disease among different populations. Here you see hospitalizations by race and ethnicity since March. All along, we've seen lower rates of hospitalizations among white and Asian residents. And while hospitalizations amongst black and Latinx residents has fluctuated, the numbers have always been higher, the yellow line and the green line. Now, while all groups have experienced a decrease in hospitalizations, we still see that Latinx residents are hospitalized at higher rates than white residents. That's the orange line, and Asian residents, which is the blue line, Black residents, and that's the experience shown in the green line, uh, and white residents are now hospitalized at the same rate, which is higher, a high, slightly higher rate than that for Asian residents. Um, during the July peak of hospitalizations, uh, the rate difference was three times between Latinx of residents and white residents. And now the gap has decreased and hospitalizations amongst our Latino-Latina residents are now only twice that of white residents. Uh, And finally, on the next slide, uh, we turn to the trend line on deaths. Uh, This does show that the daily rate of deaths per 100,000 population by race and ethnicity from the beginning of July. Like hospitalizations, it shows that white residents, and that again is the orange line, have experienced overall lower rates of death when compared to all other residents. Uh, And in particular, if you'll notice, uh, Latinx residents have, over this entire period of time, had the highest rates of death. Black residents have seen their deaths fluctuate over time, and now their death rate is equal uh, to that of Asian residents uh, here in L.A. County. At the end of September, though, the good news is that all of the rates for all groups were lower than they'd been since the beginning of July. Latinx residents still have a gap, though. It's now three times uh, greater rate of death when compared to white residents. But again, uh, back in July, the rate was four times higher. So again, seeing some progress in narrowing the gaps. We'll take the next slide. In addition to race, we do look at poverty level to understand how some groups are experiencing disproportionality during the pandemic. Residents in the highest poverty areas have been impacted most acutely by COVID-19. This slide shows four lines that represent different levels of poverty in communities. As you can see, similar to every slide we've been showing, Uh, Case rates among all categories are continuing to drop, uh, slight increase over the last couple of weeks. However, residents who live in the highest poverty areas of the county, and these are the orange and yellow lines, still experience higher case rates. It's now roughly about two times higher than that in the lowest poverty area, which is the blue line at the bottom. Here, too, we are slightly closing the gap. The next slide. This slide shows death by area poverty, again, across the four different poverty gradients. Um, And it extends from the beginning of July through the end of September. Among the wealthiest residents, that's the blue line, overall death rates have remained lower than all other categories, while those who live in the highest poverty areas are experiencing and continue to experience considerably higher rates of death. The rate of death amongst the folks in the highest poverty group, that's the orange line, remains four times that of those who live in communities with very low rates of poverty. Again, that's the blue line. And so while while we're making progress, closing the gaps, and I'm thankful for everyone's efforts uh, to help do this, uh, there are areas in L.A. County where we still have a lot of work to do. And we haven't seen the progress we ought to have seen, Uh, in narrowing the gaps among people living in our lowest resource communities, uh, especially uh, in relationship to the death rate. So we do need to continue to work hard to close the gaps. We'll have to address the inequitable distribution of resources and opportunities that are essential for optimal health and well-being. One example of efforts, and this graph shows, where we made some progress and the one area around deaths where we're not making progress, sorry. Uh, um, One example of our efforts uh, to address the needs of hard hit communities can be seen at the Martin Luther King Jr. Center for Public Health uh, and specifically at the Community Healing and Trauma Prevention Center uh, and their partners. The Healing Center, which is located in South LA, offers the community holistic free trauma education and prevention services. And works in combination with 50 community partners. The center provides free therapy support groups and classes that promote emotional and physical health and well being. One of the realities of this pandemic is that a lot of facilities that were offering direct services to residents were very much affected in what they could offer, since in person services were often very limited or not possible at all. And the Healing Center, like so many others, has moved many services online. And it's prioritized services that directly address the difficulties so many people across our communities have been experiencing throughout this pandemic. Not only issues around emotional well being, toxic stress, feelings about being overwhelmed, all that comes with living through a pandemic, uh, but also by providing real economic support to families in need. So, the services at the MLK Center include support groups, dance classes, yoga, mindful meditation. Some services are in person with distancing, and many services are offered online. Um, often, an expert on a topic related to health and well being will join the online meetings, and participants can talk and listen and share. I know this is a great way for us to stay connected. We're also distributing through the Let's Be Whole program a high quality healthy food uh, to people in need. Uh, the distribution happens at the Healing Center on the first and third Thursdays of every month. The Healing Center is located at 11833 South Wilmington Ave. That's 11833 South Wilmington Ave. And if you're interested in the services that the center provides, feel free to call them at 323-568-8100. I want to thank everyone uh, who's making this work possible. And I particularly want to thank Let's Be Whole, this group that's you know just organizing a massive food distribution across the county. Uh, now to just uh, update you on our current status, I am sad to report 30 additional people have passed away today. Nine of the people who died are over the age of 80, and seven people who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. We had 11 people pass away between the ages of 65 and 79, and seven people who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. (coughs) Sorry, Five people who died are between the ages of 50 and 64 and four people in this age group had underlying health conditions, sorry. Two of the people who passed away, hang on one sec, sorry. Two people who passed away are between the ages of 30 and 49, and neither of these people had underlying health conditions. Information on the one death reported by the city of Long Beach and the two deaths reported by the city of Pasadena are available at longbeach.gov and cityofpasadena.net. Unfortunately, this brings the total number of deaths to 6,709 in LA County. When we look at these numbers each day, we know that so many across the county are experiencing profound grief because they've lost a loved one or a friend to COVID-19. And our hearts go out to you at this very difficult time. We are reporting 1,645 new cases today. This is the highest number of cases reported in a single day since August 22nd, when we reported 1,644 new cases. While one day of a high number of cases does not indicate a trend, this is something we need to watch closely. And it does bring the total number of cases in L.A. County to 277,000 445. These cases include 12,180 cases reported by our partners in the City of Long Beach and 2,631 cases reported by the City of Pasadena, both which have independent city health departments. We're also reporting 1,846 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. Currently, 696 people are hospitalized with COVID-19, and 28% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU, about 15% are on ventilators. We've investigated a total of 1,926 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Of these, 393 are currently being investigated and we've closed investigations at 1,533 sites. This is because there were no new cases at those sites over a 14-day period. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is 35,731. 18,002 of the confirmed cases are among residents and 17,729 are among staff. We are sad to report that 2,900 residents in institutional settings have passed away from COVID-19 and 2,602 of the residents who died uh, in institutional settings resided in skilled nursing facilities. Of the 27 newly reported deaths today, excluding Long Beach and Pasadena, six were residents who resided in skilled nursing facilities. And again, our deepest sympathies go out to everyone who has lost a person they care about to COVID-19. We are reporting 3,798 confirmed cases at some point uh, in the jail facilities. 3,340 are among people who are incarcerated and 458 are among staff. There are 257 cases in the state prison, 193 among people who are incarcerated and 64 among staff. And there are 759 cases in the federal prison facilities, 742 among people who are incarcerated, and 17 among staff. We have 158 cases in the juvenile facilities, 72 among youth, and 86 among staff. Uh, To date, over 2.7 million uh, people have been tested for COVID-19, and the cumulative positivity rate is 9%. In closing, we're less than a month away from Election Day, and I want to talk briefly about how to safely exercise your right to vote during the pandemic. We're really lucky to take advantage of the fact that everyone in California receives a ballot by mail to fill out in the privacy of their own home and to send in at no cost. This is one of the safest ways to cast your vote this November. If you prefer, or you need to go and vote at a voting site, our voting sites will be implementing protocols to create as much safety as possible for voters and poll workers. We're working closely with the register recorder to put in place all the safeguards that are needed so that people who want to vote at one of these sites can do so and feel safe going to the sites. Some of the sites, as you know, in LA County will be open 10 days before the election day and almost all the other sites will be open five days before election day as with all activities we do through this pandemic it's always best to plan early and take the maximum amount of precautions you need and your family needs if you're a person with an underlying health condition this is the time to think through how to reduce the risk to yourself and minimize your exposures by either using that mail-in ballot or going to one of the voting sites at a time when it won't be crowded. And now we'll take questions. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Furr And ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question,
3: please press one then zero on the telephone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the one zero command. And if you are using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, if you'd like to join the question queue, you may press 1, then 0 at this time. And also, um, it has been requested, if you can please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question, and we'll take additional questions as time permits. Our first question from the line of Claudia Paschuda with KNX News Radio. Please go ahead. Hi, um, Barbara, I'm gonna ask you to just address the coughing because if you were watching the comments on social social media, you'd know that some people are freaking out about it. But that does take me to my question about how often do you get tested and what kind of tests do you do? And then um, also have a question about the increasing um, homeless deaths that we're seeing in LA County through the first nine months of the year, there's been a 33% increase um, compared to the same period last year. So just wanted to give you a chance to comment on what's being done to address that, the concerns that that raises. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Claudia. Dr. Farrow?
2: Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm just coughing from talking too much. Um, I'm I'm fine. And, um, you know, again, I get tested like everyone else when it's appropriate uh, for me to be tested. Um, And I appreciate the question around um, homeless adults and uh, the higher mortality rates uh, we, we don't actually have the complete analysis done yet. Um, so just, just to let people know, we have reports that come through the coroner's office. Uh, our office will also do a search through a lot of other databases to see if we can identify other people that may have died who were people experiencing homelessness that didn't get flagged uh, by the coroner's office. So I wanna note that this, this may in fact be an undercount of, of deaths. And we have seen, seen the increase I will say uh, a preliminary analysis, and again, this is very preliminary, we'll issue a full report in November, but a preliminary analysis indicates one of the factors that is contributing to the increase in deaths, uh, what we we're going to call like excess deaths, deaths that we would not expect, uh, is an increase in overdose deaths. And we're also seeing an increase in overdose deaths among uh, other populations, not just people experiencing homelessness. Um, and again, I, you know, I want to applaud all of the providers that are out there trying to connect people experiencing homelessness with services and support, whether that's sheltering people who are at higher risk of COVID-19, or just connecting people experiencing homelessness uh, with all of the support services that are available in this county. Um, But again, we'll have a more complete report on uh, the causes of death, uh, but it'll take us uh, until November to complete that by being able to look at all the different data sources. I also want to applaud Dr. Galley and her team. They take a lot of responsibility uh, for working uh, to make sure that not only are we housing people who are experiencing homelessness, uh, both in interim housing and supportive permanent housing, but also that we're connecting people uh, to a lot of services. Uh, My team as well uh, that works on making sure that we're providing folks with services for substance use disorders has uh, really, again, increased uh, the number of people that we're serving through uh, many of our outpatient facilities. So, again, I want to say there's a lot to be done here, uh, but there's a lot of work that's already happening. With that, we'll take the next question.
3: Our next question from the line of Annabelle Munoz with ABC7. Your line is open. Hi, Dr. Ferrer. Um, you, you talked about... How challenging it it can be for LA County to move to a less restrictive tier, in part because of how large it is. Um, But looking at that case rate that is making that a bit challenging, can you point to any specific behaviors or initiatives that you think would help uh, reduce that case rate and help LA County move to a less restrictive tier?
2: Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, That's a great question. And I'm not sure I have a definitive answer. I do know where we've seen success, so I'll start with that. Uh, Where we're seeing a lot of success is we've reduced uh, by 50% now the outbreaks that are happening at work sites. So one thing I think can drive down the case rates is more protections for workers. And by that I mean implementing fully the directives uh, that are in the health officer order about how to open with as much safety as possible. This is particularly important as new sectors are opening um, so I want to make sure that, um, you know, I, that I underscore uh, how important that has become. You know, When we're implementing those directives with fidelity and everybody is doing everything they can uh, at the work sites, we actually reduce exposures at the work site and then because everybody at the work site goes back into their communities and their homes, we reduce community transmission back at homes and in communities. So, so many people are working And we're really uh, blessed to have so many people working because it keeps our economy moving forward. But that can only be done if we're taking every single precaution at work sites uh, to protect our workers. And I think the second area where where we're feeling like there's been uh, just an increase in in, uh, people's understanding is around every single person uh, doing their own part. Uh, We've seen more people uh, willing to wear their face coverings, uh, more people understanding Uh, how dangerous it can be to be uh, among crowds where people aren't distancing and aren't uh, covering their nose and their mouth. And I think that too is making a a difference. You know, uh, No large parties, that's absolutely not essential. And it actually has created a lot of spread. So I think as we're seeing both individual people play their part, do what they need to do to keep themselves safe, but more importantly to keep everyone else safe, And we're having higher compliance rates uh, at all of our work sites. Uh, I think those are the steps that will make a difference. Uh, But we do have to continue to drive down uh, that rate of community transmission. It's come way down, so I want to acknowledge we've made so much progress since July and early August, uh, but we have to continue to make progress. Uh, And we'll take one more question before we go to remarks in Spanish. Thank you. That's from the line of Patrick Healy
3: with NBC4
2: News. Please go ahead.
3: Hi. Uh,
4: I have a question. Maybe both the supervisor and uh, Dr. Furrock take a stab at this. Uh, how much uh, progress,
3: do you have any numbers for applications for waivers? And do we know
4: if, if any of those schools have yet to begin done to be able to operate at the lower level?
1: So I'm going to let Dr. Ferrer answer that because I think today was the first day that the application process for waivers was open. So, Dr. Ferrer. Uh,
2: thanks so much, Patrick. Um, it's, it's a great question. Um, we opened for the waivers on Monday. I think by yesterday afternoon we had about 26 waiver applications uh, that have been uh, submitted to us. Our team, as you know, uh, has a review process because these are applications uh, the first review is obviously the review for completeness. Uh, there are some attestations and some documents that need to be submitted, including documents that demonstrate that the entire school community uh, is behind the reopening at the schools. Um, so, you know, we'll be collecting applications for a full week, uh, then we'll be um, dividing those applications by supervisorial district. Uh, those applications that are complete. Uh, completing uh, our review process and talking uh, with the state because we are consulting with the state before we uh, make final decisions on the waiver applications. I would imagine in two to three weeks, we start approving uh, schools to operate under the waiver application program. Um, And uh, thanks for that. And now we'll go to remarks in Spanish.
5: Buenas tardes. Hoy nos gustaría informarles sobre el estado del condado de Los Ángeles en el sistema de niveles actual um, del estado de California, incluyendo el nuevo indicador de equidad de salud. También presentaremos nuestros indicadores actualizados del viaje hacia la recuperación y equidad para el condado de Los Ángeles y destacaremos el trabajo importante que se está llevando a cabo en el centro de salud pública Martin Luther King Jr. Ayer, el estado incorporó un indicador adicional a su plan para una economía más segura debido a que la mayoría de los condados, incluido el condado de Los Ángeles, uh, tienen diferencias significativas en los resultados de COVID-19 por raza, etnicidad y estatus socioeconómico. Y es importante no solo observar los indicadores de COVID-19 en todo el condado, sino también comprender las experiencias entre los diferentes grupos raciales y étnicos, uh, y también entre personas que viven en áreas con desigualdad de recursos. Por esta razón, el estado creó un indicador para evaluar el progreso de cada condado para cerrar las brechas entre las personas que viven en comunidades con bajos niveles de recursos que promueven la salud y las que viven en comunidades con más recursos. En el condado de Los Ángeles, desde hace muchos meses, nos hemos centrado en comprender y eliminar las brechas en los resultados de COVID-19. Informamos de forma rutinaria uh, sobre casos, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos por raza etnicidad y por nivel de pobreza del área para comprender qué brechas existen y nuestro progreso para cerrarlas. Y presentaremos datos uh, actualizados sobre estos indicadores en unos momentos. First slide, please. Nos complace ver que el estado también um, da prioridad a la equidad en su plan para una economía más segura. El estado está utilizando el índice de lugares saludables de California que mide la oportunidad socioeconómica de un área uh, para definir qué secciones censales en un condado uh, carecen de recursos para uh, promover la salud y el bienestar. El indicador calcula la tasa de positividad de de la prueba para aquellas áreas dentro de los condados que tienen menos recursos y compara esta tasa con la tasa general de positividad de la prueba del condado. Los recursos deberán cumplir con ciertos límites que se describen en este gráfico. Y para pasar a un nivel menos restrictivo, un condado debe cumplir con los límites para las tasas de positividad de las pruebas y también con los límites para la tasa de casos. Para que el condado de Los Ángeles pase al nivel rojo, al nivel 2, nuestras tasas de positividad de las pruebas deben ser iguales o menos de 8%. Y nuestra tasa de casos uh, debe ser igual o menos a 7 casos nuevos por cada mil personas ...o un promedio de 700 casos nuevos por día. Next slide, please. Eh, actualmente, el Condado de Los Ángeles continúa en el eh, nivel uno, el nivel más restrictivo... ...sólo debido a nuestra tasa de casos, que actualmente es de 7.4 casos nuevos por cada mil personas... Ambas tasas de positividad en nuestras pruebas cumplen con el límite del nivel 3. La tasa general de positividad de la prueba es del 2.8%, y la tasa de positividad de la prueba en nuestras áreas de menos recursos es del 4.6%. Y todavía tenemos una brecha significativa entre la tasa de positividad en nuestras comunidades de altos recursos en comparación con nuestras comunidades con menos recursos. Y en comparación con la mayoría de los otros condados del sur de California, el condado de Los Ángeles tiene una de las medidas de equidad más bajas. Lo que se interpone en nuestro camino para avanzar al próximo nivel es que seguimos viendo un promedio de eh, más de 700 a 800 casos nuevos al día. Y ahora uh, pasamos a los indicadores que vemos de cerca para comprender qué también estamos controlando la propagación de COVID-19 en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra nuestro número diario de nuevos casos reportados desde abril. Esto nos da una indicación de cuándo, durante los últimos seis meses, hemos visto el mayor número de nuevos casos positivos por día. Nuestros casos ahora han vuelto a los niveles que estábamos viendo a finales de abril y principios de mayo, antes de que comenzáramos a reabrir, con menos de mil casos por día. Necesitamos continuar disminuyendo nuestros números de casos, protegiendo a los trabajadores, usando nuestras cubiertas para la cara, manteniendo nuestra distancia física de seis pies y lavándonos las manos. Esta sería la única forma de reducir las tasas de transmisión, uh, incluso mientras ya abrimos sectores adicionales. Next slide, please. Cabe destacar que el porcentaje de positividad es una excelente manera de comprender el nivel de propagación comunitaria y es un indicador muy útil cuando la propagación comienza a aumentar. Es una función de la cantidad del virus que tenemos circulando en nuestra comunidad. Y este gráfico nos mantiene en un 3% de positividad desde la segunda semana de septiembre. Eh, Nuevamente, este indicador se ha mantenido en un nivel cerca de 3% durante varias semanas y, sin embargo, esperamos seguir reduciendo este número. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra la tendencia del número diario de pacientes que son hospitalizados para recibir tratamiento con COVID-19 en todos los hospitales del condado. Este indicador nos ayuda a entender la capacidad hospitalaria y la gravedad de la enfermedad que padecen los residentes. Esto muestra que nos hemos estabilizado durante las últimas dos semanas con menos de 800 hospitalizaciones diarias por COVID-19, menos del pico de más de 2,000 pacientes que vimos en julio. Y cabe destacar que esta es una buena noticia y puede reflejar tanto la mejora del tratamiento uh, de COVID-19 uh, y que posiblemente uh, conduzca a una estadía más corta, así como el hecho de que un número de uh, residentes que son pacientes son más jóvenes uh, que se está infectando ahora y es menos probable que como grupo requieran hospitalización. Next slide, please. Finalmente, pasamos a los fallecimientos por causa de COVID-19. A pesar de nuestros esfuerzos y los de los profesionales de salud en todo el condado, muchas personas continúan perdiendo la vida a causa de COVID-19 en nuestro condado y también en todo el país. Estas muertes son trágicas y debemos seguir recordándonos que todos jugamos un papel muy importante para frenar la propagación de esta enfermedad mortal. Esta uh, línea de tendencia también um, muestra los fallecimientos diarios por causa de COVID-19 desde desde principios de julio. La línea muestra un descenso prolongado y constante de unos 30 fallecimientos diarios a finales de agosto hasta donde nos encontramos ahora a unas 15 muertes diarias o la mitad de esa tasa. Es esperar que las muertes disminuyan a medida que disminuyen las hospitalizaciones, pero no obstante, uh, esta es una noticia bienvenida y alentadora. Es un gran alivio poder informar que nuestras muertes están disminuyendo. Next slide, please. Al mismo tiempo que vigilamos los datos de toda la población para comprender cómo COVID-19 está afectando a todo el condado, también profundizamos en nuestros datos para ver cómo está afectando a poblaciones específicas. Se ha publicado ampliamente que los residentes afroamericanos y latinos y aquellos que viven en áreas de alta pobreza en los Estados Unidos han sido afectadas de manera desproporcionada por COVID-19 en todos los indicadores, casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes. Eso también ha sido cierto en el condado de Los Ángeles. Por esa razón, desglosamos nuestros datos para compartir nuestro progreso como condado en la lucha contra estas desigualdades y garantizar que nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación beneficia a todos los residentes del condado. Este gráfico muestra las tasas diarias de casos por 100.000 habitantes por raza e etnicidad desde principios de julio hasta el 26 de septiembre. Puede ver que los residentes latinos todavía tienen una tasa diaria de casos más alta que todas las demás razas del condado. Y aunque hemos avanzado desde julio y agosto en la reducción de las tasas de casos entre todos los grupos raciales y étnicos, eh, los re- residentes latinos, la línea María, continúa tendien- teniendo una tasa de casos que está cuatro veces mayor de la de los residentes asiáticos, la línea azul. Y dos veces la tasa de los residentes blancos, la línea anaranjada. Next slide, please. Analizamos las hospitalizaciones para comprender la gravedad de la enfermedad entre las diferentes poblaciones de residentes. Aquí puede ver las hospitalizaciones por raza etnicidad desde marzo. Todo el tiempo hemos visto tasas más bajas de hospitalizaciones entre los residentes blancos y asiáticos. Y aunque la hospitalización entre los residentes afroamericanos y latinos ha cambiado, estos números siempre han sido más altos. Ahora, mientras que todos los grupos han experimentado una disminución en la hospitalización, todavía vemos residentes latinos, la línea María, hospitalizados en tasas más altas que los residentes blancos, la línea anaranjada y asiáticos, la línea azul. Los residentes afroamericanos, la línea verde, y los residentes blancos son hospitalizados a la misma tasa, uh, que es más alta que la de los residentes asiáticos. Next slide, please. Finalmente, pasamos a la línea de tendencia del, de fallecimientos. Esto muestra la tasa diaria de fallecimientos por cada 100,000 habitantes por raza etnicidad desde principios de julio. Al igual que las hospitalizaciones, muestra que los residentes blancos, la línea anaranjada, han experimentado tasas generales de muerte más bajas en comparación con los residentes latinos, la línea María. Durante este periodo de tiempo, los residentes afroamericanos han visto uh, cómo las muertes uh, cambian con el uh, tiempo y ahora son aproximadamente iguales a las tasas de mortalidad de los asiáticos. A fines de septiembre, las tasas de mortalidad de todas las razas y etnicidades son más bajas que desde principios de julio, pero los residentes latinos todavía experimentan um, tres veces la tasa de muerte en comparación con los residentes blancos. Next slide, please. Además de la raza, eh, observamos el nivel de pobreza para comprender cómo algunos grupos están experimentando desproporcionalidad durante la pandemia. Los residentes en las áreas de mayor pobreza han sido los más afectados por COVID-19. Este gráfico muestra cuatro líneas que representan diferentes niveles de pobreza. Como puede ver, las tasas de casos uh, entre todas las categorías continúan cayendo. Sin embargo, los residentes que viven en las áreas de mayor pobreza del condado, uh, que se muestran aquí en las líneas anaranjadas eh, anaranjada y amarilla, aún experimentan una tasa de casos más alta, aproximadamente dos veces más alta que las de las áreas de menos pobreza, la línea azul. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra uh, la, la cantidad de muerte por área de pobreza en cuatro niveles de pobreza diferente en una línea de tendencia que se extiende desde principios de julio hasta finales de septiembre. Entre los residentes con más recursos, la línea azul, las tasas generales de muerte se han mantenido más bajas uh, que todas las demás categorías, mientras que aquellos que viven en áreas de mayor pobreza experimentan tasas uh, de muerte uh, considerablemente más altas. La tasa del grupo de pobreza más alto que se muestra en la línea anaranjada sigue siendo cuatro veces mayor que la del grupo de pobreza más baja, la línea azul. Next slide, please. Si bien estamos avanzando, uh, cerrando las brechas en casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes entre los residentes latinos y los residentes afroamericanos en áreas del condado de Los Angeles que tienen un alto nivel de pobreza, no hemos visto tanto progreso, Porque si bien estamos viendo un cierre de la brecha en los casos, no estamos viendo este cierre de la brecha en las muertes. Las personas que viven en áreas con los niveles más altos de pobreza uh, tienen tasas de mortalidad cuatro veces más altas a las de las personas que viven en áreas con los niveles más bajos de pobreza. Y necesitamos seguir trabajando duro para cerrar estas brechas abordando la distribución iniquitiva de recursos y oportunidades que son esenciales para una mejor salud y bienestar. Un ejemplo de los esfuerzos para abordar las necesidades de las comunidades afectadas uh, se puede ver en el Centro de Salud um, Pública, Martin Luther King Jr., por el Centro de Prevención de uh, Trauma y Sanación Comunitaria y sus socios. Uh, es, este centro es conocido como el Healing Center en inglés, uh, ubicado en el sur de Los Ángeles. Uh, ofrece a la comunidad servicios gratuitos de prevención y e educación uh, sobre el trauma y um, trabaja con más de 50 socios. El centro ofrece clases y grupos de apoyo de terapia gratuitos que promueven la salud y el bienestar um, físico y mental. Una de las realidades de la pandemia es de que las instalaciones que ofrecen servicios directos a los residentes se vieron muy afectadas en lo que podían ofrecer, ya que los servicios en persona a menudo eran muy limitados o no eran posibles en uh, lo absoluto. Uh, Next slide, please. El Centro de Recuperación uh, movió muchos servicios en línea y dio prioridad a los servicios que abordan directamente las dificultades que tantas personas en nuestras comunidades han estado experimentando a través de esta pandemia. En particular, el estrés tóxico y los sentimientos de eh, estar abrumado uh, que vienen con estos tiempos tan difíciles. Grupos de apoyo de terapia, clases de baile para el procesamiento de traumas y el yoga uh, son solo algunas de los uh, ofrecimientos en línea del centro. La meditación consciente se ofrece en persona con capacidad limitada. El centro también alberga foros comunitarios virtuales uh, que son mensuales o círculos de sanación. Uh, a menudo un experto en un tema relacionado con la salud y el bienestar se uh, unirá a estas reuniones en línea Uh, y los participantes pueden unirse para hablar escuchar y compartir es una excelente manera de expresar sentimientos y mantenerse conectado con el centro y con otras personas de la comunidad. Queremos uh, felicitar al al centro uh, por su capacidad de poder cambiar uh, los servicios para continuar ofreciendo uh, servicios en línea, uh, sino también por poder abordar la inseguridad de alimentos en la comunidad. En ese comienzo de la pandemia, uh, dejaron de dar los servicios en persona en el centro, incluida la distribución de alimentos a los miembros de la comunidad. Los miembros del personal rápidamente se dieron cuenta de que la pandemia estaba creando una demanda aún mayor de asistencia con alimentos, ya que muchas personas no podían trabajar. Gracias al trabajo inteligente e innovador del centro, uh, en colaboración con la organización Let's Be Whole, uh, los alimentos se han distribuido de manera segura a la comunidad nuevamente durante los últimos tres meses. Let's Be Whole eh, recibe donaciones de alimentos saludables de alta calidad de las tiendas de todo el condado. Los miembros del personal del centro uh, usan guantes y cubiertas para la cara y practican el distanciamiento físico uh, y ponen eh, los alimentos uh, en paquetes y en bolsas y las colocan fuera del centro para que los miembros de la comunidad las recojan de manera segura. Las personas vienen a recoger la comida y se cubren la cara con cubiertas para la la nariz y la boca y practican el distanciamiento físico. El desinfectante de manos está disponible para todos y el personal entrega todo con cuidado en bolsas eh, de comida para los miembros de la comunidad. Esta distribución ocurre en el centro el el primer y el tercer jueves de cada mes. El centro está ubicado en el 11-833 uh, South Wilmington Avenue. Si está interesado en los servicios de, que brinda este centro, puede llamar al 323-568-8100. Queremos agradecer mucho a los socios que hacen posible este trabajo y en particular, queremos agradecer a Let's Be Whole, uh, que está eh, está organizando la distribución de alimentos en todo el condado. Hay más información sobre esta organización en letsbewhole.com. Y ahora para actualizarlos sobre nuestros datos actuales, estamos tristes de reportar 30 fallecimientos adicionales. Esto eleva el número total de muertes a seis setecientos nueve en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy también estamos reportando 1645 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a doscientos y mil cuatrocientos y cinco. También reportamos mil ochocientos seis casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. Hay um, 696 casos confirmados uh, que están hospitalizados actualmente. El 28% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 15% están en ventiladores. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 35,731, incluidos uh, personal y, y residentes. 18,002 entre residentes y 17,729 son personal. Nos da tristeza informar informar que 2,900 residentes en entornos institucionales han muerto a causa de COVID-19. 2,602 de esas personas que murieron en entornos institucionales residían en centros de enfermería especializados. También reportamos 3,798 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel. Hay 257 casos en la prisión estatal, 759 casos en las prisiones federales y 158 casos en los centros de menores. Más de 2.7 millones de resultados de pruebas de COVID-19 se han reportado en el condado de Los Ángeles. Y el 9% dieron resultados positivos. Para terminar, estamos a menos de un mes del día de las elecciones y queremos hablar brevemente sobre, sobre cómo ejercer su derecho al voto de manera segura durante la pandemia. Somos muy afortunados de aprovechar el hecho de que todos reciben una boleta por correo para llenarla en la privacidad de su propia casa y enviarla sin costo alguno. Esta es una de las formas más seguras de emitir su voto este noviembre. Si prefiere o necesita ir a votar en un lugar de votación, nuestros lugares de votación implementarán protocolos para crear la mayor seguridad posible uh, para los votantes y trabajadores electorales. Trabajamos en estrecha colaboración con el registrador de registros para implementar todas las medidas de seguridad uh, para que las personas que quieran votar en uno de los sitios puedan hacerlo. Algunos de los sitios en el condado de Los Ángeles uh, estarán abiertos diez días antes al día de las elecciones y casi todos los demás sitios estarán abiertos cinco días antes del día de las elecciones. Al igual que con todas las uh, actividades que realizamos durante la pandemia, siempre es mejor planificar con anticipación y tratar de tomar la máxima cantidad de precauciones. Si es una persona con una condición de salud delicada, uh, este es el momento de pensar en cómo reducir el riesgo para usted y minimizar las exposiciones, ya sea usando su boleta por correo o yendo a uno de los sitios de votación en un momento en que no esté lleno de
6: gente. Okay, and now we'll go ahead and move to remarks in Armenian. Շնորհակալություն վերահսկիչ եւ ամբողջ վերահսկիչ խորհրդին։ Բարեւոր բոլորին։ Շնորհակալություն գտնվող Los Angeles շրջանի Karkavichaki մասին Narayal, նոր کنار کا եւ و նորացված کانگرمان یه آرثاریچان համար, թարմացում لس մակարդակի شرجانی هم Երեք նահանգի تضم پتاقان ماکاردکی شرجانی کی ورابری آل. یه دک نهانگی کارا باورت شونه. نرارات لراتوتش نخاجیت. آویلی آن و تنگ Est Ethnicakan, Yev Social Tan Tesakan Kar Kavichaki, Karivure Vuchman Dital Covit Tasnini Tutanishnere Ambuch Varchashurjanum, I lev Haskanal Tarbe Rasakan, Yev Ethnik Khamberi, Of Kir Apruman Resource Havasar Hasanelucham Taratsknerum. As Pajarov, Nahangikaravarchunas, Techet Chapanish, Yurakanchur Varchashurjani, Hamar, Արողջությունը խթանող քիչ ռեսուրսներ ունեցող համայնքներում ապրող մարդկանց եւ զգալի ռեսուրսներ ունեցող համայնքերի մեջ եղած բացերը փակելու հարցում։ լոսանջելո շրջանում մենք <S----> արդեն երկար ամիսներ կենտրոնացված են covid 19 հասկանալու եւ համար։ Մենք ենք եւ դեպքերի հոսպիտալացման և մահվան դեպքերի ինչպես նաև տարածքի ահգատության մասին, որպիսի պիսի հասկանանք թե ինչ բացեր կան եւ մեր առաջընթացը դրա�, դրանք փակելու։ Ավելի քիչ համանափակ մակարդակ, մակարդակ անցնելու համար վարչաշրջանը պետք է համապատասխան եւ թեստերի դրականության եւ դեպքի տեմպի համար պետք է համապատասխանեն որը լոս անջելոս շրջանը մտնի կարմիր մակարդակ որը կոչվում եր է tier 2 մեր տեսերի որակը դրական դյուրաչափությունը պետք է լինեն 8%-ից ցածր 7 դրական դեպքեր ամեն 100.000 Ներկայումս Լոս շրջանը շարունակում է գտնվել մանուշակագույն Tier շրջանակում։ Առավել ճանաչող մակարդակում միայն 3 ճշգրտված գործի տեմպերի պատճառով, որը ներկայումս կազմում է 7.4 նոր տպքեր, ամեն 100 000 մարդու համար։ Ներկա իրավիճակը հետևյալն է։ Այսօր ցավով եւս 30 մահվան մասին։ Այս մարդկանցից 9 80 տարեկանից բարցրեն, որոնցից են, 11, տարեկանից են, որոնցից 7-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 11-ը 65 տարեկանից 79-ն են, որոնցից 7-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 5-ը՝ տարիքը 50 եւ 4-ը ունեցել առողջական խնդիրներ։ 2-ը տարեկանից 49 են, եւ չեն Խնդիրներ։ Սա ելում է ընդհանուր մահերի ցիվը 6709-ի լոսանջելո շորջանում։ շրջանում։ պատկանելությունը հետևյալն է. 51% լատինո-լատինեքս, 23% սպիտակ, 15% ասիական, 10% աֆրոամերիկացիներ, 1% բնիկ հավայան և 1% մեկալրասա էթնիկ խումբ։ COVID-19-ով մահացած Անցած 92% ունեն ուղղացող առողջական խնդիրներ, ինչը կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջական լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն, մնալ տանը եւ խուսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 1645 նոր դեպքեր Los Angeles-ի շրջանում է ընդհանուր դրական դեպքերի թիվը 277445-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից զեկուցված 12180 դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 2631 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 1846 հաստատված դեպքեր Անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ 22368 դեպք Ինչվոր պահի հոսպիտալացվել է, որը կազմում է դրական դեպքերի 9%ը Los Angeles շրջանում։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 696 մարդ, որոնցից 28%ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում, իսկ 15%ը միացված են շնչարական ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակչության հաստատություններում ներկայումս քնություններ են կատարվում 1926 հաստատություններում դրանց թվում են ծերունադ, ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, օժանդակվող բնակելի հաստատություններ եւ քրյա կատարողական հիմնարկներ ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընթանուր դեպքերի թիվը 35731 ն է և ներառյալ անձնակազմ եւ բնակիչներ։ Այս դեպքերից 18200-ը բնակիչներ են, 17729-ը անձնակազմ։ Ցավով ենք հայտնում, որ 2900 մարդ, ովքեր ապրում են ինստիտուցիոնալ պայմաններում, մահացել են COVID-19-ից եւ կազում են բոլոր մահացածների 46%ը։ یرو کو ովքեր բնակվում են հմուտ کو հաստատություններում։ Մենք بناقومن ենք այս կորուստի համար։ تا ենք, որ հաստատված 3798 դեպքեր همای. են کوت سمنگ հիմնարկներում 3340 وقت یرو کو 1000 یو 100 اینستون اوت هر բանտարկյալ انسن 64 بانکار 759 դեպքեր واتن բանտերում, 742 բանտարկյալ هر 17 یک 158 դեպքեր بانک հաստատություններում, 72 բանտարկյալ کراسون 86 بانکار کال یک تاسن արձանագրված آشخاتاکاز هر یک هیچون اوت دپکر آنچا առողջապահության վարչության կայքում publichealth.lacounty.gov ավելի քան 2.7 միլիոն մարդը տեսաurվել են եւ արցունքները զեկուցվել են լոս անջելոս շրջան, որից 9% դրականն։ Վերջում մենք ընտրության օրվան 1 խոսել Թե ինչպես ապահով կերպով օգտվել Ձեր ձայնի իրավունքից համաճարակի ընթացքում։ Մենք իսկապես բախտավոր ենք օգտվել այն փաստից, որ յուրաքանչյուր մարդ փոստով քվիաթերթի իր տանը լրացնելու և առանց ուղարկելու։ տալու Եթեն եք, կամ Խվյարկության տեղամասերում մեր խվյարկության կվ, կվ, տեղամասերը իրականացვენ արտադրություններ, Ընտրողների եւ հարցումների աշխատակիցների համար հնարավորինս անվտանգություն ստեղծելու համար։ Մենք սերտորեն համագործակցում ենք համապատասխան գրաս, գրասենյակների հետ, որտիսի կարողանանք տեղա�, տեղամասերում խվյարկել Los Angeles-ը շուտով որոշ տեղամասեր կբացվեն ընտրությունների օրվանից 10 օր առաջ։ Իսկ գրեթե բոլոր մյուս տեղամասերը կբացվեն ընտրություններից 5 առաջ։ Ինչպես համաճարակի միջոցով իրականացվող բոլոր գործողությունները, միշտ է լավ գլիրի եւ ցորցել առավելագույն չափով նախազգուշական միջոցներ Եթե ունեցող Ապա ចំណានាក់ ਨੇ մտածել թե ինչպես նវազագույնին հասնել វតանգի ազդեցությունը օգտագործելով այն 포ստաթերտիկը կամ գնալով քվյարկության տեղամասերից մեկը այն ժամանակ երկ մարդաշատ չէ Շնորհակալություն Thank you.
7: Now the 어제 주 정부는 세이퍼 이코노미 블루프린트에 몇 가지 측정 기준을 더 포함시켰습니다. LA 카운티를 포함해서 대부분의 카운티에 카운티의 인종과 민족성, 소득 수준에 따라서 COVID-19의 결과가 달라지기 때문에 주 정부는 각 카운티가 자원이 다른 커뮤니티 사이의 차이를 주, 좁히는지를 평가하는 측정 기준을 만들었습니다. LA 카운티는 수개월간 코비드 19 결과의 차이를 줄이고 이해하는 데 노력을 기울여 왔습니다. 우리는 인종과 민족성에 뿐만 아니라 빈곤 수준에 따른 케이스 수와 병원 입원자 수, 사망자 수에 대해 보고하고 그 차이를 줄이는데 노력해 왔습니다. 또한 주정부는 평등함을 최우선 순위로 놓고 캘리포니아 Healthy Places Index를 사용하여 그 지역의 사회, 경제적 기회를 측정하고 카운티 내에서 자원이 부족한 지정을 규정하도록 하였습니다. 이 측정 기준은 카운티 내에서 자원이 부족한 지역의 확증률을 평균 카운티 확증률과 비교하여 계산하는 것입니다. 덜 제한적인 단계로 올라가기 위해서 카운티는 확증률과 케이스률, 두 개의 기준점에 맞아야 합니다. LA 카운티는 현재 빨간 단계, 즉 2단계로 올라가기 위해서 확증률은 8% 미만이어야 하고 케이스류는 10만 명당 7 케이스 이하이거나 평균 1일 신규 케이스 수가 700개 이하여야 합니다. 현재 LA 카운티는 가장 제한적인 1단계에 머물러 있는데 왜냐하면 왜냐하면 현재의 케이스룰이 10만 명당 7.4이기 때문입니다. 테스트 확증률은 3단계 기준점에 달하는데 평균 테스트 확증률은 2.8%이고 자원이 낮은 지역의 테스트 확증률 또한 4.6%입니다. 여전히 자원이 풍부한 커뮤니티와 자원이 부족한 커뮤니티의 확증률에 큰 차이가 있지만 이 차이는 우리 카운티가 덜 제한적인 단계로 가는 데 영향을 주지는 않고 있습니다. 현재 다음 단계로 넘어가는 데 문제가 되는 것은 평균적으로 하루에 700에서 800개 이상의 새로운 케이스가 나오고 있다는 것입니다. 현지의 케이스 수는 4월 말과 5월 초에 보았던 우리가 영업을 재개하기 전의 수치였던 1일 1,000개 미만입니다. 우리는 계속해서 얼굴 가리개를 사용하고 6비트 신체적 거리를 유지하고 손을 씻는 등 케이스 수를 낮추기 위해서 노력해야 합니다. 이것만이 우리가 확산율을 줄이고 더 많은 사업체들이 다시 영업을 재개할 수 있을 것입니다. 9월 둘째 주부터 확증률은 3%에 머물러 있는데 이 수치도 계속해서 계속해서 줄어들기를 바라고 있습니다. 병원 입원자 수를 살펴보면 지난 몇 주간 코비드 19로 인한 병원 입원자 수는 800명 이하로 머물고 있습니다. 이것은 매우 좋은 소식인데 코비드 19의 치료 방법이 많이 개선이 되었고 병원에 입원하는 날 수가 줄어들었으며 더 젊은 층이 전염되고 병원 입원이 필요하지 않은 그룹일 가능성이 있다는 뜻입니다. 코비드 19로 인한 사망률을 보면 8월 말부터 꾸준히 평균 사망자 수가 30명에서 현재는 하루에 15명 정도로 줄어드는 것을 볼수 있습니다. 7월에서부터 9월 26일까지 민족과 인종에 따른 1일 케이스 수를 10만 명당 비교해 라틴 계열 주면이 여전히 카운티에서 제, 제일 높은 케이스류를 보이고 있습니다. 이 수치는 동양인 주민보다는 4배, 백인 주민보다는 2배 높은 수치입니다. 모든 인종 그룹의 병원 입원자 수는 줄어들고 있는데 여전히 라틴계열 주민이 백인이나 동양인보다는 높은 수치입니다. 흑인 주민과 백인 주민들은 동양인보다는 높지만 같은 수치입니다. 9월 말에 모든 인종과 민족의 사망률은 7월 초보다는 현저히 줄어들었는데 라틴계열의 주민은 여전히 백인보다는 3배 높은 수치였습니다. 또한 가장 부유한 주민의 어, 사망률은 다른 부류보다 낮았고 가장 빈곤 지역에 사는 사람들의 사망률은 4배 높았습니다. 나틴 주민과 흑인 주민 사이의 케이스 수나 병원 입원자 수, 사망률 등의 차이는 줄어들고 있지만 LA 카운티에서 가장 빈곤한 지역에서는 아직 큰 진전이 없습니다. 케이스 수에 있어서는 차이를 좁히고 있지만 사망률과 관련해서는 그렇지 못합니다. 높은 빈곤 수준에 사는 사람들이 그렇지 않은 사람보다 사망률이 4배 높기 때문입니다. 우리는 이 차이를 줄이기 위해서 모든 자원과 최상의 건강관리를 위한 필수적인 기회들을 공평하게 배분하기 위해 계속해서 노력해야 할 것입니다. 도움이 필요한 커뮤니티를 돕기 위해서 마틴 루터킹 주니어 센터 힐링 그리고 트라마 프리벤션 센터는 LA 남쪽에 위치해 있으며 50개의 파트너들과 함께 커뮤니티에 무료로 트라마 교육과 예방 서비스를 제공하고 있습니다. 이 센터에서는 정신과 신체적 건강과 관리를 위해서 무료 테라피 서포트 그룹과 클래스를 제공하고 있습니다. 팬데믹으로 인해 이 시설들에서 대면 서비스가 재현되거나 불가능해졌기 때문에 직접적인 서비스는 제공하기가 어려워졌습니다. 하지만 힐링센터에서는 서비스를 온라인으로 제공하고, 팬데믹 동안 커뮤니티에서 겪고 있는 가장 어려운 부분을 최우선순위로 제공하고 있습니다. 특히 이 어려운 시기에 스트레스 중독과 주체하지 못하는 느낌 감정들을 어, 컨트롤하기 위한 서비스를 제공하고 있습니다. 센터에서 온라인으로 제공되는 것들 중에는 테라피 서포트 그룹, 댄스 클래스, 요가 등이 있습니다. 또한 마인드풀 명상을 제한된 수로 대면 서비스가 제공되고 있습니다. 또한 매달 원격 커뮤니티 포럼 혹은 힐링 서클을 주최하고 건강 관리와 관련된 주제로 전문의가 온라인 모임에 함께 참여하여 참가자들 모두가 이야기를 하고 서로 듣고 나눌 수 있는 기회를 마련하고 있습니다. 이러한 방법은 커뮤니티의 사람들과 사람들이 서로 감정을 표현하고 센터에 연결될 수 있도록 해주는 역할을 하고 있습니다. 또한 팬데믹으로 인해서 중단이 되었었던 음식을 배분받는 서비스도 Let's Be Whole이라는 단체와 파트너십을 함으로써 지난 3개월간 커뮤니티에게 안전하게 음식을 나누어주는 서비스를 제공하였습니다. Let's Be Whole 단체는 카운티 전체에 가게들에서 고품질 건강한 식품을 도네이션으로 받습니다. 힐링센터 직원들은 얼굴 가리개와 장갑을 착용하고 신체적 거리 두기를 유지하면서 음식을 백에 담고 센터 밖에 둠으로써 커뮤니티 멤버들이 픽업할 수 있도록 마련하였습니다. 음식을 픽업하러 오는 사람들은 천 얼굴 가리개를 쓰고 신체적 거리를 유지합니다. 또한 모든 사람들에게 손 세정제를 사용할 수 있도록 하고 직원들은 청소하고 감염을 통제하는 일에 부지런히 노력하고 있습니다. 이 음식 배분은 매달 첫째, 셋째 목요일에 있고 센터의 주소는 11833 사우스 애비뉴에 에브니어에 있습니다. 만약 이 서비스에 관심이 있으시다면 323-568-8100번으로 전화하실 수 있습니다. 더 자세한 내용은 let'sbehold.com.com에서 알아보실 수 있습니다. 이제, 어, 데일리 리포트를 말씀드리겠습니다. 유감스럽게도 코로나 바이러스로 인해 추가로 30명의 사망자가 보고되었습니다. 이중 9명은 80세 이상이고, 이중 7명은 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 11명은 65에서 79세 사이이고 이중 7명은 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 5명은 50에서 64세 사이이고 이중 4명은 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 2명은 30에서 49세 사이였습니다. 롱비치시에서 1명의 사망자가 있었고 패사디나시에서 2명의 사망자가 있었으며 자세한 점은 각 웹사이트에서 보실 수 있습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 6,709명입니다. 오늘로서 1,645건의 새로운 확진 케이스가 보고되었습니다. 이 수치는 8,122에 1,64 이 수치는 8월 22일에 1,644 케이스 이후로 가장 많은 일일 케이스 수였습니다. 어, 이것이 단지 하루만 올라간 것이므로 트렌드는 아니지만 이 수치를 밀접히 모니터하고 있는 중입니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 27만 7,445건입니다. 이 수는 롱비치시에서 12,180건, 파사디나시에서 2,631건이었으며, 이두 시는 각 보건부가 따로 있음을 알려드립니다. 노숙자들 중에 확진 케이스 수는 1,846건이었습니다. 현재 696명이 양성 확진자로 병원에 입원해 있으며, 이중 28%는 중환자실에 있고 15%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 확진 케이스가 나온 총 1,926개의 거주시설과 비거주시설을 조사하였으며, 이중 343개는 현재 조사 중이고 1,533개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 시설에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 35,731건이고 이중 1만 8,002명은 거주자이며 1만 7,729명은 일하는 사람들입니다. 시설에 사는 사람들 중에 사망자 수는 2,900명이고 이중 2,602명은 전문 간호시설에 살고 있었습니다. 오늘 발표된 27명의 사망자 중에 6명, 즉 22%는 전문 간호시설 관련 사망 케이스 수입니다. 교도시설에서는 총 3,798건의 확진 케이스 수가 있었고, 이중 3,340명은 수감자이며 458명은 일하는 사람들이었습니다. 지금까지 LA 보건부로 200 70만 건 이상이 코로나 바이러스 테스트를 받은 것으로 보고되었고 이중 9%는 양성 결과였습니다. 끝으로 이제 선거일까지 한 달도 안 남았는데 팬데믹 가운데 어떻게 안전하게 투표에 참여할 수 있는지 말씀드리고자 합니다. 다행히도 우리는 모두 우편으로 투표권을 받아서 집에서 작성한 후에 무료로 메일로 보내실 수 있습니다. 이번 11월에 이것이 바로 투표를 할수 있는 가장 안전한 방법이 될 것입니다. 만약 투표 장소에 가서 투표를 하기 원하신다면 투표 장소에서도 투표장에서 일하는 사람들과 투표를 하러 오는 사람들을 위해 가능한 안전하게 프로토콜을 시행할 것입니다. LA 카운터에서의 몇 장소는 투표일 전 10일 동안 문을 열 것이고 거의 모든 장소에서는 투표일 전 5일 동안 문을 열 것입니다. 판단일 동안 우리가 하는 모든 활동과 관련하여 언제나 일찍 계획하고 최대한 대비를 하는 것이 좋습니다. 만약 기저질환이 있는 사람이라면 자신에게 가능한 위험을 줄이고 노출을 최소화하기 위해서 우편 투표를 하거나 사람이 많지 않은 때에 투표 장소에 가는 것이 좋을 것입니다. 감사합니다.
4: Next, Alan Chang will brief in Mandarin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank 短限州政府在及安全經濟重啟數據過程中增進了新的數據鏈, 因為包括諾現在的許多縣裡面, 来加以参考因此 covid <咳>找出其中的差异并跟踪我们所做的努力的结果 这一指标通过计算一个县内的那些不富裕的区域的呈阳率与整个县范围的呈阳率的比较来确定一个特定的衡量标准一个县要进入下一个角宽松的阶段 percent 和每 700人 74人 前线的平均呈阳率为 percent 700到 恢复数据 5月底 4月底到 成陽百分比可以很好的幫助我們理解社區傳播,並且是一個先期性的預警指標。3 percent左右 3 我们希望这一百分比会持续下降。Gaito告诉我们在过去的受诸内 7月的每日 比较相对来讲比较短该头显示自 8月底的每天 很不幸我们又有 9人是 7人患有其他疾病 7人患有其他疾病 4人患有其他疾病 30到 帕萨蒂娜市有两例死亡今天我们新天这两个市都有独立的卫生部新冠病毒确诊的病例中 有1846例 28 percent的人数住在加护病房 有15%的病人使用了呼吸机 我们对我们很沉痛员工其中这是目前最安全的投票方式 5天 投票就像我们在疫情期间做的任何其他事情一样我们都需要事先计划好 That's the for today Thank you
0: This episode of L.A. Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at L.A. Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.